You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church Podcast. Good evening, everyone. It's really, really... Thank you, Lockie. It's really, really encouraging to see so many people here tonight. Um, It's been our observation that um, week on week, the evening service is growing uh, in numbers, which is really, really encouraging. We actually put down some more seats tonight, and uh, next week we'll have an extra row in. So be out there inviting more and more people to come so that we can all um, lend our voices to worshiping God and then also get built up in our most holy faith, equipped for uh, good works of service. Um, I would like us to pray also for uh, Blair, who's not well today. That's why Lockie's up here. Blair was supposed to be. And uh, then pray for Stuart also. That's why I'm up here. Stuart was supposed to be here, but he's sick. Um, about five o'clock yesterday evening, I got a phone call asking, uh, what are your plans for this evening, Sam? And I said, well, didn't have any um, staying in. Oh, good. Um, I'm not able to preach tomorrow. Can you preach? And uh, the wonderful thing was the Lord had been preparing it all along because I woke up yesterday morning with um, this phrase going around in my head. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it was going, from the very word go, it was there in my mind, and I wondered, what does that really mean? Is it, um, do I renew my mind? Does God renew my mind? Let's look into it. So um, I started to look into it in the early part of the morning, and then at five o'clock when the call came, I knew that's what we had to continue with. So we're going to look at Romans chapter 12 today, verses one and two, and I also want to ask you to look at it in the frame of mind that we're coming to the Lord's table right after this. Here's the Lord's table. We're going to have the bread and the wine, which reminds us of his sacrifice. And there will be um, a theme going through this. Um, Am I conformed to the world? Am I being transformed? Or rather, am I being transformed by the Holy Spirit? And uh, as we go along, think about those things. Um, You will come then ready to the Lord's table. So Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Amen. I want to concentrate today on one verse and one half of one verse verse 2 and the first half. And in that little half there, there are two commands, one negative, one positive. In other words, don't do this, but do this. And we're going to look at them in that order. Firstly, the negative one. And um, not that it's a negative thing, but it's a negative command because there's a not in it. So do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world is the first command we're going to look at. John Piper has been a great help to me on many, many occasions, and in this sermon also, um, I uh, had to hear what he had to say on it. And the first thing that I noted was, he said, we are perfectly useless as Christians, or as Christ-exalting Christians, if all we do is conform to the world around us. I'll say that again. It might be up there. It is. We are perfectly useless as Christ-exalting Christians, if all we do is conform to the world around us. 
So part of our task tonight is to examine ourselves and see if we are conforming to the world around us in any way. And if we are, to eliminate it. And around the Lord's table is a wonderful place to shed that conformity to the world. But we'll look into various aspects of what that means as we go along. You see, a pattern, I remember as a little boy, my mum, I remember very early on learning what a pattern was. Because my mother was a, I loved to sew, you know, so she had a sewing machine, and she had a knitting machine, and she had heaps and heaps of patterns. I don't know if your mum's like that, but there are little pieces of paper that you put down on material, and you cut around them, and you cut out your cloth. Uh, so I knew what a pattern was. Then when we went to school, we had um, potatoes. In Ireland, you know, you got potatoes, spuds spuds, or purtas, as we call them. And um, then the art class, you cut them in half, you made a little design, and you daubed them in paint, and every single design that you made was the same until your ink ran out. That's a pattern. And the pattern of this world is imprinted on each one of us. Every time a human being is born, the pattern is imprinted. It's the same for all of us. And we'll look into a little bit later what that really means. So I want to ask the question, the first question is, what does Paul mean by this world? Now, if you look at the Greek for the word for world there, um, it's a little bit different from what I thought it would be. Um, usually when I see the word world in um, the New Testament, I think of the word cosmos. How many of you have heard of the word cosmos? Well, it's, it's, our, world for, it's our word now even for universe, all that's made. But um, it means also world. But that's not the word we're talking about here. The word is ion. Ion. And it came right from Greek into English, and we have the same word. Ion. It means epoch, or era, or period of time. Why has English got so many synonyms? Anyway, it does. And that's one of them. What Paul is really saying here is the pattern of this age as opposed to the pattern of the age to come. The pattern of this age began with Adam and Eve when they fell in the garden, and it will continue until Jesus comes to begin his reign and commence the age to come. And this age has actually got a God, and it's not Jehovah, it's not Yahweh. It's another God with a little small g, a little tiny small g, and his name is Satan. He is the God of this age. According to 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So that's what Paul means by the word world. It's an age. And we're right in this age right now. We could be at the end of it nearly. We're not entirely sure. It feels like we're at the end of it, but we might not be. So what is the pattern of this world or the pattern of this age? Well, it's really sin, the rule of sin, the practice of sin, and the consequences of sin are the pattern of this world. And that's imprinted on every one of us. There's no one in here tonight who has escaped the rule of sin, the practice of sin, and the consequences of sin. Unless I'm wrong, is there anybody here who has escaped it by any chance? Of course not. We're all very aware that we have been affected by the rule of sin, the practice of sin, and the consequences of sin. And in fact, Romans chapter 3, verse 28 
uh, lets us know that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So that is, a, in a general sense, um, the pattern of this world. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. So I want to look at more specifics of what the pattern of this world might be. So we're going to look at some specific sins in the book of Romans. We're going to stay largely within the book of Romans and a little bit of Ephesians tonight. But um, the first sin that I would like to look at tonight is um, to choose to ignore God. To choose to ignore God. And that's in verse 28 of Romans chapter 1. If you're following along in your Bible or on your phone, Romans 1:28 says, Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. So the pattern of the world uh, that I noticed was is firstly to ignore the knowledge, authority, and even existence of God. And this is what's going on today in the very highest uh, halls of academia. They're denying the existence of God, and they have been doing it for a long time. Just to, in the next point, I will look into that in more detail. But um, many, many leading scientists today uh, have categorically said there's no such thing as God. But if you're a Christian here tonight, you will find that totally ridiculous. If you look around at the beauty that we have here in Eltham, if you look at the... Joel and I were out driving today. Joel was driving. I was sitting there um, instructing him and telling him to slow down. But um, the mountains around uh, Strathewen and uh, Nutfield and Cotterill, Cotterill Bridge, is that what they call it? Hearst Bridge, just so beautiful. So, so beautiful. We wanted to stop and just look at it. To say that that all happened by random acts of chance is not just silly, it's insanity to me. It's total insanity. And it's rebellious and it's blasphemy. Because these things, and especially you, could never ever come about by that random chance. But men and women today have decided that there is no God. Why do they do that? Because they want to get rid of accountability. They want to do and act and think as they please without consequence. But they will have a rude awakening because there very much is a God. Just have to look at DNA. I listened to Francis Collins, the man who um, uh, kind of decoded the genome. And he's a believer in Jesus. Uh, loves the Lord. And just to hear him talk about um, his discovery and the complexity of, complexity of it all is amazing. But anyway, one of the patterns of sin is to deny the existence of God, to turn a blind eye to the existence of God. Just, I want you to feel what it's like to be ignored, okay? Just imagine you're in a room full of people. You might be a teacher, you might be a senior person, you might be the oldest person in the room, you might be the boss. And all these uh, people are talking, and you come into the room, and you, you need to instruct them in something. You speak to them, but they totally ignore you. You raise their vo your voice, you speak a bit louder, and they continue to ignore you as though you were invisible or a spirit or something like that. That's what God, that's the kind of a, a reaction, that's the kind of um, response that a lot of mankind has given to God in these days. We all did it to begin with. It's not a good feeling, is it, to be ignored? It's an awful feeling. And by the way, 
let's make sure nobody is ignored here in this church. But we're not God, and we can't really tell how exactly God felt when people are um, ignoring him. But one thing we know is that this kind of a reaction has incurred the wrath of God. And he has um, said that he will not tolerate that kind of thing. We are not to conform to that way at all as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. However, if you're here tonight at this evening service, I think it's a pretty good indication that you are no longer conforming to that pattern of ignoring God. At least you have a desire to hear what is being said, to weigh it up perhaps, or maybe you're agreeing entirely with it. Anyway, the second specific sin that um, I saw in Romans that tells me about the pattern of this world or the pattern of this age is the worship of idols. Now, people will say, I don't see too many idols around here anymore. Um, we don't live in an Eastern pagan society where there are idols everywhere. I've been to India, I've been to um, some parts of Southeast Asia, and I've seen a lot of idols. But you know there are idols right here. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking, pardon me, their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images to look like mortal man and birds and animals. So idolatry has been the constant danger of humanity right from the fall. Israel repeatedly fell into idolatry. If you look at the story of Israel, it's just like one episode of idolatry after another. Sometimes they went after the Baals. Sometimes they went after Moloch and other foreign deities. But God brought them back each time through prophets, through judges, and um, through other men of God. But does the danger of idolatry remain for us tonight? Is there any way in which we, as moderns, could actually fall into the trap of idolatry? Well, first of all, what is idolatry? Idolatry is simply putting something in the place of God. So let's ask ourselves tonight, what do we obsess about? What are you obsessing about right now? Is it that latest project that you've taken on? Is it your new job? Is it that sport you play? Is it that computer game, perhaps? What about your kids? Are they your obsession? Are, are they something that um, takes over your whole mind and thoughts? Some questions to ask ourselves as we continue on. You know, we, we referred earlier to the halls of academia and what has been going on there for over 200 years, more. And we said this morning that... Um, and two weeks ago as well, that these halls of academia in the West were set up for one purpose, to train men for the ministry. That was their main purpose, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Oxford, Cambridge, the uh, great universities of France, Germany. They were set up to train men for the ministry. But Several hundred years ago, they began to change. They began to allow uh, godless ideas to come in. And I want to think of uh, one particular man called Ludwig Feuerbach from Germany. 
Now, the reason I want to put him up there is because he had a seed thought, right? But that seed thought grew and grew and grew and grew until it contributed to the deaths of possibly 100 million people. So Ludwig Feuerbach went to Heidelberg University to study to become a pastor, believe it or not. And uh, while he was there, he got off that idea and he began to think godless, atheistic thoughts. And he came up with the idea that man is God, man is man's God. And he, and he summed that up in a Latin phrase called homo homini deus est. And um, he said this, my only wish is to transform friends of God into friends of man, believers into thinkers, by the way, as if friends of God could not be friends of man and as if believers could not be thinkers. He saw them as mutually exclusive ideas. Devotees of prayer into devotees of work, candidates for the hereafter into students of the world, Christians who by their own profession and admission are half animal, half angel, into persons, into whole persons. If he only knew we can have our cake and eat it as Christians, we can have all those things together. He thought you could only have one or the other. And it led to some terrible stuff. So anyway, one of his disciples was Karl Marx. Who's never heard of Karl Marx? Don't put your hand up. <laughs> it's just a rhetorical question. Most people have heard of Karl Marx. He wrote a book called Das Kapital, which went on to influence the communist movement. And um, he said this, religion is the sigh of the oppressed creature the heart of a heartless world, and the soul of soulless conditions. It is the opium of the people. The opium of the people simply means it's a drug that people take to drown their sorrows. Now, I, I just heard this morning from Michael Shade that Karl Marx in his younger days was a firm believer, and he moved away. Similar thing to Ludwig Feuerbach, brought up in the church, but began to adopt godless thinking. Very, very dangerous. So Karl Marx in himself, he didn't um, really do that much terribly bad. He didn't kill several hundred thousand people. But what he did was he laid the foundation for a man called Vladimir Lenin, who in 1917 began the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia. And um, this is what he said in 1921. If for the sake of communism it is necessary for us to destroy nine-tenths of the people, we must not hesitate. So Lenin had moved on from man being God to what? An idea being God. That idea was communism. Another Vladimir, you've all seen him in the news, his name is Vladimir Putin. He, um, some you know, 100 years after Lenin's revolution, said, we all know that every experiment with socialism in the world has failed. That's what he said. It's not necessarily true because there are degrees of socialism. But this is the seed thought that Ludwig Feuerbach began. I believe that seed came from Satan himself. It grew and grew and grew through um, Marx, Lenin, and then Stalin. Um, Joseph Stalin was a complete animal. Um, he was a human, but he was an animal. He was responsible for the deaths of 20 million Russians. He just moved them around, he starved them, he cut off their food, he provoked wars and all kinds of things. And he said, the death 
of one man is a tragedy. The death of a million is a statistic. He said many other cold and harsh things. I just tell you that to um, plot the course of an evil thought and how it could become so disastrous for Europe and for the world. It came from an idolatrous, evil thought. Man is man's God. And you know what? One of the arguments against Christianity today is that Christianity provoked all the wars. It's rubbish. Yes, there were many wars that were called holy wars, and um, certain people who called themselves Christians went off to kill others. But it's nothing on the scale of this communism idea and Nazism and things like that that have taken place in the last 100 years. Okay, that's, um, first of all, um, the, the first idea was to choose to ignore God. The second is to worship idols. And the third is having shameful lusts. And these things are all part of the pattern of this age. And uh, verse 26 of Romans chapter 1 tells us, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust one for another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. There are many kinds of shameful lusts. This is just one that Paul chose to outline in his first two chapters of Romans. And um, we are in an age now where we are seeing things that are being practiced that when I was going to school were hardly spoken of. That's, you know, 40 years ago. This week I spent some time working with other like-minded people on a policy that a school needs to put in place now to be ready for these things. Beforehand, no one ever thought about them. They were of no consequence. They never would get us tripped up. But now they will trip us up very badly if we're not ready for it. So there we are, sitting with the Word of God, sitting thinking about pastoral care issues, sitting thinking about legal issues, sitting thinking about theological issues, how we bring them all together in a policy because of this shameful lust idea, because of perversion. We have to wrestle with these things and we have to bring into balance the, the people who are caught up in this, their pastoral care together with the truth. How do we blend them together? How do we keep faithful to the gospel? But that is part of the pattern of this present age and this particular part of this present age. And then I've got a fourth one, which will probably catch all the others. And it's um, found here in verse 5 of chapter 2, where it says, Because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his, judgment, or his righteous judgment will be revealed. So basically, another part of this... Um, rebellious or pattern of this age is stubborn and unrepentant heart. And uh, we can see that all around the Western world today. The Western world used to be the cradle of Christianity, but we can see now that as um, uh, ideas change, as God is neglected, forgotten, denied, the Western civilization is in critical danger. Um, care for the sick and dying, care for the unborn, 
um, respect of elders, respect of authority. All these things are in trouble, dangerously in trouble. And that's the pattern that is emerging right now. So what then does it mean to be conformed to the pattern of this world? Well, surely it must mean that these ideas that we've just mentioned, in other words, ignoring God, worshiping idols, shameful lusts, and stubborn and unrepentant hearts, these thoughts and ideas, when they come to fruition, when they, when they are processed in our minds, and when we accept them, they come out in acts and words and deeds. That's what being conformed to this age means. So what potentially, as Christians, I would say that probably most of us here tonight are Christians who want to follow Jesus. We are told not to conform to the pattern of this age. And I believe that if we're here and we're genuinely seeking the Lord, then we're not conforming, at least not in, in a full sense. But what could potentially keep us continuing to conform to the pattern of the world? Are there things that can keep us in that groove? Is, it potential, is there a potential to slip back into it again? Well, I think there is. In this day and age, the thought is that silence is not a good thing. You know, in some religious orders, they have a, an order of silence which is going over the top. People don't, are not allowed to speak and stuff. But silence is considered bad in many circles today. We must have the radio on con continually when we're in the car, when we're in work, and uh, we uh, play all kinds of stuff. I want to ask you two questions. First one is, what are you listening to, right? Because no one would deny that popular music has played a terrible role in the degradation of Western society. It, it, it kind of fed into the rebellion. The rebellion fed into it. It got worse and, and uh, fed the rebellion again, and the rebellion fed the music, and so on. It's going down like this here, down the tubes. No one can deny that, that, that those lyrics have fueled a rebellion against God. And I want to ask you, what are you listening to? And then I want to ask you, what do you find yourself wanting to listen to? Two different questions, but they'll bring out something in our hearts right now. I want to ask each one of us, and I want to go across the generations, are you listening continuously to the lyrics of Queen, George Michael, Madonna, Nicki Minaj, you see I'm getting more modern now, Katy Perry, Beyonce, Eminem, Jay-Z, Ariana Grande, and countless others. Are those the lyrics that you are putting into your head day after day after day? If they are, don't be surprised if you start acting like them. How would you like me to put up Ariana Grande's video here? Or let me see, uh, let me put Eminem's video up here tonight. How would it go? First of all, we'd have to get rid of the kids. Then we'd have to get rid of the men, wouldn't we? Yes, this stuff is audiovisual sewage most of the time. Think about it, audiovisual sewage. Let's go down the sewer and listen to it. Be careful, brothers and sisters what you fill your heads with. Why not substitute it on your way to work with, say, you can get Spotify, you know, you can put on your own Christian music there. You can get um, downloads of sermons from so many good preachers. 
Why not do that? Some of the new people who have come to know Jesus in the last number of years, that's what they spend their trip to work doing. And they're, and they're very blessed. And when, when you talk to them, you can just say, boy, they're growing. Where did they get that from? And all of a sudden, they'll tell you, well, I listen to this podcast. I listen to that podcast. I've got the Bible on my phone. I listen to it on the way to work. I beseech you, I call upon you, brothers and sisters, to switch out that stuff, that audio-visual sewage. Switch it out and switch in the things of God. So the question is not so much what do you listen to, but what do you find yourself wanting to listen to? And then what about that godless, profane, atheistic chatter that we hear on uh, television uh, chat shows, swearing, innuendo, and stuff like that? If we sit and listen to that without criticizing it, without, in a non-critical way, we're actually in a kind of a way conforming to it. And the scripture says, be not conformed to the pattern of this age. Get up from it, walk away, switch over to something else. And don't, if you do sit there and you do listen to this stuff, don't be surprised if it comes out of your mouth someday in a non-guarded moment. So I want to ask you about what you're reading. But I want not so much to ask you what you're reading. I want to ask you, what would you like to read? What do you feel you want to read? Is your reading wholesome? Is it educational? Is it uplifting? Or is it um, the other? I want to ask you what you're watching. But not so much what you're watching, but what do you find yourself wanting to watch? Is it uplifting? Is it pornographic, semi-pornographic? Is it movies full of foul language, new age ideas, perverted plots? Or are the things you watch, listen, and read wholesome, according to Philippians 4, verse 8? Let's have a look at Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whether it is right, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. It's a huge difference, isn't there, between what we have on the average menu on the TV and the radio. Yep. Some of those radio stations, my goodness, they're sick, but not in the modern sense of the word sick, in the original sense. So, let's ask the question, are we conforming to the world or are we not conforming to the world? And we can gauge that a little bit by looking at how we spend our time, by looking at what we listen to, by looking to what we read, what we watch, and what's coming out of our mouths. Are we conforming or not? I want us to encourage each one of us to shut every door of conformity to the world that we might still have left open. I remember just a personal um, a story. Uh, when I was 17, I got my driving test, and um, I was a butcher, and I was given the delivery run. So, I mean, I was out the whole day delivering meat, selling meat around the doors, and the country lanes, dirt roads, all that kind of stuff, driving through rivers, good fun. Anyway, for a 17-year-old, um, the car had a radio, the van had a radio, and uh, I used to listen to 
the songs on the radio all the time. Bob Marley, you remember Bob Marley? All you old folks. <laughs> um, Nick Haywood, George Michael, Dire Straits, Wham, all that stuff. And um, you too. And uh, the more I listened to it, the more oppressed I got. Until I had to stop it. I really did have to stop it. The Spirit of God didn't, couldn't tolerate that stuff. And the only way I could get peace was to stop listening to it. And um, I didn't, in, in Britain, you don't have the, or didn't have the option of a Christian radio station. I just had to turn over to Radio 4 and listen to documentaries or nothing. And uh, that was um, something I learned very early on. There was no hope in the lyrics of these songs. There was nothing truly positive to come through to me. So, the other command. Do not be, the first one is, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Secondly, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does transformation mean? Well, transformation isn't reformation. Reformation is like having a lump of clay and making it into a little pot, then smashing it all down and making it into a plate. That's reformation, reformation. Same material, different thing, shape. But transformation is changing from one substance to another. It's actually, the word used there is metamorph metamorphosis. It was taken straight out of the Greek. Metamorpho is the Greek word. English just borrowed it, and we say metamorphosis. And the main example of that in nature is the change of a caterpillar into a butterfly. Two very, very different things altogether. There you go. You see the whole process happening on that one stick there. I don't know if it was photoshopped or not, but it gives us an idea of how uh, one thing can change into an entirely different thing. Now, the word metamorphosis is found in the New Testament in two different places. Basically, one is the transfiguration of Jesus, and the other is this here in Romans, about being transformed. And um, Jesus was transformed in a glorious way. And our transformation from conformity to the world to conformity to Christ is indeed a marvelous and glorious transformation. It's basically falling out of love with the things that we ought not to do. Not a good way to put it. It's not mine. It's, I, got, I borrowed that from John Piper. It is falling out of love with the things that we ought not to do. So from loving them to hating them. There's nothing wrong with a Christian hating stuff, you know, especially if God hates it. Now, transformation as Christians is our goal. And yet, we can't start it ourselves. There's no human being in this world can start the process of transformation in their own lives. That's a God thing. And this is where I began my thoughts yesterday morning. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind came to mind. And I began to think, well, is that God transforming my mind first of all, and then I'm transformed? Or is it me renewing my mind and then being transformed? Well, I think it's a bit of both, but God comes first in the first move. So the key to real transformation is the renewal of our minds. And that's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes in to a person's life, when we're saved. One of the wonderful things about working in a church uh, is hearing testimonies of people who come to know Jesus. I wish they were more frequent, but 
We've had quite a few in the last couple of years. And people will tell me that all of a sudden they begin to think differently. Is that because they learned it from a textbook? Or is it because all of a sudden these thoughts began to come on their own or seemingly on their own? Actually, it's because they began to come seemingly on their own. The Holy Spirit, resident inside, changes the mentality of a person. They begin to become less selfish. They begin to become more God-orientated. They begin to see things that they never saw before. That's because the mind has been renewed. And that's the passive element of it. We didn't really do anything. God did it. But then, in the process of sanctification, we have got to cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit starts it, and we join him in that work. One of the catchphrases of Eltham Baptist Church has always been, wherever you see the Lord at work, join him. Get involved with him. And see what he's doing and, and help. So what is wrong with the human mind, and why does it need transformed? Well, I've just found a few words beginning with F. One is because we're foolish. Paul uh, talked about the foolishness of, the, of those who rebel against God. We just read it back in Romans 1. Then he talked about the futility of our thinking. And he talked about the finite nature of our thinking. All humanity, even Adam before he fell, had a finite way of thinking. Only God has infinite thoughts. He doesn't think the way we think. And in a sense, God cannot think the way we think because he's got all the information. We don't. So we can never think like God and God cannot think like us. He says in Isaiah chapter 55, my ways are not your ways, neither are your ways my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. And then, of course, our way of thinking is fallen. And that's why we need to have our minds transformed. I would like to just um, finish off by looking at how we can cooperate with the Holy Spirit in this transformation. Active transformation in the sense that we are helping with this process. John Piper gave us a few clues. And I would like to go to um, uh, probably almost the last couple of slides in the talk before the communion. What can we do to assist, to accompany, to facilitate this work of renewal of the mind? Well, John Piper says, we join the Holy Spirit in his precious and all-important work. Join the Holy Spirit in his precious and all-important work. Leaving behind all those things that we mentioned earlier on, and we pursue Christ-exalting truth. So instead of pursuing fiction and lies and untruths, let us pursue with all our hearts that which we know is true. We pray for truth embracing humility. One of the most annoying people and most arrogant people is the know-it-all, isn't he? The one who knows it all. Now how does a person who professes to know the truth Hello, Maddie. How are you going? So how does a person who professes to know the truth remain humble? Well, we have to pray for that truth-embracing humility.
And again, listen to rich expositions of the gospel of the glory of Christ. We mentioned that already in the whole area of listen to podcasts on the way to work. Um, I'd encourage you to do that. There are quite a few really good preachers out there who have got podcasts. Don't watch any YouTube videos on your way to work, especially if you're driving. Just do the audio form of it. <laughs> Read your Bible from cover to cover, always in search of the revelation of the glory of Christ. How? Don't answer this, please. How many of you have read your Bible from cover to cover? I would encourage you, if you haven't done that, start. There are lots of helps to do that. I'm following, now probably for the third year, fourth year, the Murray McShane reading plan in the U version of the Bible. David Suchet reads it to me every day on the way to work or at other times. Five, four chapters a day. And uh, the word's going in, it's going in, it's going in, it's going in. I'd encourage you to do that. Year after year after year. Read and ponder Bible-saturated, Christ-exalting writings of great spiritual men and women. Some of the folks are studying uh, Watchman Nee at the moment. Others are um, reading people like John Lennox, C.S. Lewis, um, Andrew Murray, um, even more modern writers like um, John Piper and others. I want to encourage you to get those books. If you're addicted to Christian fiction, wean yourself off it a little bit and get something a little more substantial for the soul. What about forming the habit of meditating on the perfections of Christ? This is something that um, I also need to really work on. Meditating on the perfections of Christ so that we would glorify him in ourselves. And then it Pray, John Piper says, pray, 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 that the Holy Spirit will renew your mind, that you may desire and approve the will of God, so that all of life will become worship to the glory of Christ. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind or the renewal of your mind. We're going to come to the Lord's Supper, and I'd like to invite the band up um, at this point. And uh, they can get ready for playing during the uh, communion. In communion, or the Lord's table, Lord's supper, it's a time of reflection, particularly upon the last week, the last month. In Elfin Baptist, we have this uh, ceremony, this little service every month on the first Sunday. And it's not just something we rush into. It's not something we treat lightly. It's not a chance for a snack. It's a time for reflection upon where am I at this moment with the Lord? What do I need to confess? Is there anything in my life that's wrong? It's conforming to the world. Is there anything in my life that needs to change? This is a really good time to conscious, consciously cut off any conformity to the world or the pattern of this age. It's a wonderful time. Don't just rely on the communion service to do this. Do it weekly, do it daily. But this is a wonderful opportunity to corporately do this. So 
I want to give us just a little time to meditate on how can I cut off this conformity to the world? How am I being transformed? Pray to the Lord that he would continue his work of renewal of our minds. And when you're ready, uh, church council and staff will uh, distribute the bread and the wine, possibly at the back and the front. Just go to the nearest one when you're ready. Don't rush. We'll take as long as we need to reflect on what's been said tonight and on the challenges of the Word and the Spirit. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, go to www.elthambaptist.com.au.